All right, we're back with another edition of KC Music Talk. I hope you guys are doing good. Uh, my guest today is a cellist and a musician, uh, Tim Campen. How you doing? Hey, good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem, yeah. man. So you you and I met literally like, you know, three minutes ago or something. Yeah. You know, and on the phone. On the phone, we got yeah. we got <laughs> talking a little bit and uh, got hooked up by um, by a owner in town basically he runs a uh, give a little shout out to Anton Krutz at uh, KC yeah. Strings and he kind of kind of hooked us up and yeah, really, and really he was he was right that it looks like we have a lot in common yeah. and, and I'm glad he I'm glad he gave you That's gave right. me your number yeah I'm liking Kansas City so far you know just visiting from Nashville so mm. it's been kind of a journey getting up here I'm born and raised in St. Louis but I have lots of family here in Kansas City and it's always a good time to visit yeah all the great music that's happening here sure yeah that's cool man so so for for and for me you know why don't you tell everybody a little bit about how you like yeah everything till now maybe yeah, you know and, sure in like one minute no i'm just kidding yeah <laughs> yeah go uh so my father uh is a musician plays guitar songwriter so i started on guitar and then he had a christmas concert benefit christmas concert every year for about 10 years in my childhood growing up. And one year he had a string quartet and uh, I saw a guy playing this cello and I'm like, that's such a cool instrument. Like it has strings on it, similar to guitar, it's a little bit bigger. Um, and so going into the sixth grade, you know, you choose band or orchestra. Mm -hmm. And so I was always attracted to the strings. And so I started playing cello, but I really just wanted to be John Mayer. Mm -hmm. you know? I really just wanted to yeah. be a cool guy playing cool music because that's what I loved listening to was mm -hmm. pop music and then started to learn cello oh you just have to kind of play some of the classics until I went to Mark O'Connor's string camp mm -hmm. in New York and saw some crazy good players mm -hmm. uh, Billy Contreras Mike Block he's a great cellist Mike um, Block went to my high school yeah yeah he's I, from I played, here that's I played right. with Shout him two, two seats yeah. down I was first chair viola he was first chair no cello I, I, I've known him for <laughs> For ten no years, right. yeah, for a long time since. Uh, yeah, but I, I, I know him very well. Him yeah. and I like sat really close to each other. Wow. Same grade too. Really, class two thousand. Yeah, yeah. I saw him playing at uh, Mark Mark O'Connor's string camp, and that was kind of the first exposure to me of seeing string players playing non-classical music. Mm -hmm. So I started thinking, well, maybe this is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. Maybe I can play cello, not guitar, and slowly through great classical training and teachers in St. Louis, um, through the St. Louis Symphony, just like learning how to play my instrument really well, but also being able to branch out and learn different techniques. So eventually went to school at Belmont University in Nashville, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. That's why I call Nashville home now. Studied with Tracy Silverman there, who was in the Turtle Island String Quartet. Mm -hmm. And then graduated from college, got on a tour with a group called Barrage. Mm. It's been around probably yeah. 20 years. I've heard of them, yeah. Yeah. And so I uh, was able to use kind of my non-classical skills um, in that group. And then that tour ended and I decided, hey, I'm going to do it myself. Instead of being a hired gun for somebody, mm -hmm. I'm going to you know, do my own thing. And out of that, started writing my own music and um, started branching out into new tunings and um, met with some people at NS Design. Uh, they make electric instruments, electric violins and cellos, mm -hmm. and got a 
five string cello, which really just expanded like what I was able to do on my instrument, mm -hmm. having a low F string. Just yeah, I was going to ask if it's low or yeah. high. Yeah, low F. Low yeah. F string, so just a half step away from an upright bass. Yeah, yeah. And so between guitar and cello, I, I played bass in high school and college as well. I always felt like bass was kind of my uh, spirit instrument, mm -hmm. I guess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but cello is what I played, and fifths is what I know. Mm -hmm. you know bass and guitar are two and fourths. Uh, so just started really playing more baseline stuff on cello and mm -hmm. now that's kind of what I do I play the chords when I'm writing and that kind of establishes the foundation for a lot mm -hmm. of my compositions yeah uh, now with my band which is called reignite so that's cool man yeah well, before we move on I mean you, totally. you mentioned you mentioned Mike block I mean he's he's insane I mean he's like so in in, in our high school he played Fly to the Bumblebee at our, our talent show, right? Yeah. Just, we're right. like, okay, whatever, yeah. Mike, you know, yeah. on cello, right? Yeah. And uh, and then he uh, transposed uh, Zaguna Bison, real famous, you know, violin gypsy kind of piece uh, yeah. for cello and played oh, that neat. in their orchestra. And then uh, he made a National High School Orchestra, I think, right. senior year. And, um, but... Uh, he is uh, something else. Like he was touring with Yo-Yo Ma for a while, and yeah. he like played at his wedding. Right. Like Yo-Yo Ma played at Mike's wedding. Wow. That's how <laughs> close they are, and he calls him Yo-Yo Mike. Yo-Yo Mike. Yeah, yeah, like like that's how they they're like making nicknames for each other. So yeah. you know so, but so w with that idea though, like when you saw somebody like him or Mark O'Connor or, yeah. or any of these really like killer cello players, or even at the beginning when yeah. you saw cello, like what was it about cello for you? Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Good question. You know, it was like the range and how low it yeah. was, or like what? Like I mean, a lot of it. It's funny because just talking to Mike, he said he originally chose cello because he could sit he down. To sit yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. He invented mm -hmm. a strap for cello, so you yep. can stand up. Which yeah, he said. I've heard him wrong. say that before. Yeah. <laughs> but for me, I guess it was yeah. I mean, the, the instrument's just so beautiful. You know, it's a really, really mm. beautiful instrument. And the bow was something I'd never done before playing guitar. Mm -hmm. And that's what I found really separates, you know, violin family from guitar family isn't necessarily the tuning. I mean, there's a lot of variance with that, but it's more so the bow and being able to hold out a sustained note and just kind of the power that the cello has, mm -hmm. you know. But seeing players like Mike or Mark O'Connor or Sarah Caswell or mm -hmm. different, different people playing and just seeing how they could almost take what a guitarist could do and then do even more with it. Because they're mm -hmm. both, like, you have this spiccato that like a guitarist kind of does with the mm -hmm. pick, and then you can really expand on that. And the bow is just like so complex um, with so many different variances that it has. But mm -hmm. um, I don't think I can say one reason right. for what really attracted me to the cello, but mm -hmm. um, I think the bow and just the richness of the instrument is just so great. Sure, yeah. And so you were talking a little bit about your your writing or whatever, and so you were trying to explain to me like what your group is and sort of the instrumentation and stuff and, and what the cello's role is in that band. Yeah. Like, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, sure. So I was always attracted to string quartets. Mm-hmm. Um, High school, gotten a really good string quartet, um, played lots of weddings and uh, lots of different uh, quartet music as well. 
And I love that because there's so much attention to detail within that. Where mm -hmm. when I played in a symphony, I could kind of, you know, pass with like a B or a C. But if you do that in a string quartet, you're gonna stick out like a sword. Mm -hmm. And so, so bad. yeah, <laughs> yeah, very bad. Yeah. And so I've always been drawn to string quartets. So then, in college, started playing non-classical string quartets, all the Turtle Island string quartet mm -hmm. arrangements. Is that their stuff is very yeah. cool. Yeah, and then I really started, it sunk in, like the cello is the bass player mm -hmm. in a string quartet. So you got you know, violin one and viola kind of doing a lot of mid-range or passing around melody or harmony stuff, but the cello is always holding down that bass line. Whether it be Canon and D and You Hate Your Life, or whether it be... Taco Bell Canon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, playing the, the same notes over and over, really easy stuff, or whether it be, you know, some funk thing that mm -hmm. Tracy Silverman wrote for me and, or for Turtle Island, and me just trying to play that and trying to keep up with all these rhythmic complexities that mm -hmm. are in there. And I really just grew an appreciation for, like, being the bass player in mm -hmm. that role. And so, um, expanding beyond that, the only thing we didn't have in college was drums. So with uh, the tour I was on, Barrage, um, it was a string octet. So cello, bass, viola, violins, and a drummer. Mm -hmm. And so that drummer went to school with me as well. And so uh, I started thinking, okay, if I were to start my own thing, it's definitely gonna be a string quartet but how am I gonna work in drums? So originally I had a string quartet with backed up by a drum. <laughs> but I didn't necessarily want her to feel like she was just backing us up. Right. So now I see it as me being the bass player, her being the drummer, and then the two violins trading off harmony, mm -hmm. rhythm, and melody. And so that kind of completes the quartet. Right. That's because there's so much cool rhythmic stuff that we did in Turtle, Turtle mm -hmm. Island. But having a drummer just really like fleshes everything. Out. Sure, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But it's called reignite. It's just a, I call it a percussive string quartet. Mm -hmm. So we do a lot of different uh, rhythmic and percussive styles mm -hmm. um, on our instruments, um, as well as like adding a drummer to the quartet. You know, mm -hmm. so that's cool, it's man. So you were talking a little bit on uh, about the chop or whatever. And it's pretty fun, you know. I've tried to do that, and I'm not very good at it. I can sure. do the just boom chuck, boom chuck, pretty easy. Yeah, but sure. you know, watching um, oh, what's the stupid guy's name? Uh, Daryl Anger and all those yeah. guys. You know, I mean, he's you know, I mean, he's just like going off and doing funky rhythms, and um, and he was he was talking about that you've got to like you've got to like sink it on there yeah. so you can grab it off, you yeah. know, and like and and I, I was understanding because if you just you know, come down and off, it's not gonna get the sound. Right. But but you've got it's not just bounce off of it, sure. you've gotta like sink it down. Very but true. you're doing this fast, right? You know, lip yeah. sync you yeah. know, like and it's it's weird and, and and he was also saying, um, I don't know if you guys can see this, but you usually have, you know, some some something resembling a curved thumb, but he was talking about roll it out, sure. right? And you have your flat thumb and so so you're not putting it flat on the string, right? You're kind of like, uh, you're kind of like tilting it a little bit, sure. or no, it'd be the other way, yeah. yeah. How he did it, I think. But anyway, um, so you guys do a lot of like 
percussive kind of stuff yeah, with yeah. all three of you guys then. Yeah, definitely. At, at different times. Yeah, and you know, chopping is just different on cello than violin and everything. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, just like using the bow again, like you know, if a vi- if a guitarist, excuse me, mutes his mm-hmm. strings and just yeah, there's like a lot of power with like hearing that and mm-hmm. supports a lot. So yeah, we do a, a good bit of that, and uh, the chop is something that we do a lot of educational outreach as well. Mm-hmm. And something that we teach kids. You know, if you just want to feel a pulse, there's something called the backbeat. You don't really learn this in orchestra, mm-hmm. but you play it on two and four. So we're gonna teach you to chop. You yeah. play it on two and four. Yeah, and it's just nice, like having having the ability to do that, and. Uh, also, if the drummer needs to do something else in our in our band, mm-hmm. um, she's able to do that. You know, she's a great percussionist as well. So sometimes she switches mm-hmm. to a big bass drum or keys or, or whatever. Or even like a solo or something where you guys can kind of keep it rolling yeah. with, with solid rhythm. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So it's it's been neat to kind of take uh, what we learned. Most of us that I, uh, I play with now, Belmont people so we've all kind of learned like to chop and these rhythmic things uh, the strumboing method which is Tracy Silverman's kind of method of uh, just keeping your arm going while you're uh, using your bow mm-hmm. so you have more of like a rhythmic subdivision but just uh, yeah like really just honing in on being a tight rhythm group like a horn section almost mm-hmm. is what Tracy always said yeah um, just play like a horn section and be tight because you don't hear too many string players because we have such a legato kind of way we can get away with so much oh, like yeah, a drummer yeah. or a horn player if you aren't precise you're gonna again yeah. stay out sure <laughs> yeah yeah and like strings i mean that's what the the what do you call it kind of the 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 background the background like smoothing accompanying kind of a thing yeah. i don't think there's better instruments for it yeah there isn't any you know i mean we're, we're the best the best idea of, of yeah. having kind of background and, and giving some texture to to the the song but yeah. uh but that that is a problem when you want to like really blast out hard sure we yeah. can still do it yeah but it's it's hard right it's and, definitely something that i encountered so after the tour you know i kind of went back to my freelance life and became again the cellist wearing all black mm-hmm. sitting behind the artist yeah and yeah. i just felt like expendable almost so like oh you, you were which <laughs> no, <just> yeah <laughs> no but honestly like there's better classical players out there than me and i felt like i wasn't really using my creativity for what mm. my maximum potential could be because i knew there some really great classical players that I felt you know should be on these gigs but um, which another tangent of yeah, it's yeah. who you know and You're stuff right. like that <laughs> but um, I just really yeah I mean it's, there's a great art in that too like being able to support and bag up an artist and make a beautiful string sound mm-hmm. and I really enjoy that you know for thousands of people being able to do that but it's it just was it's so different from everyone can pinpoint and hear me and know exactly what I'm playing mm-hmm. versus hearing like a string section behind. Sure. You know? And it's 
it's more satisfying for me, and I'm not saying it's better or worse for anyone, but it's more satisfying for me to just know that what I play, if it's a boom, like low F, that mm -hmm. shakes yeah, the whole right. building, yeah. that makes me feel pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> because cello, especially in a lot of bands, can't hear it in the mix. You know, it's so mm -hmm. mid-range. Right. If there's not a good sound guy out there, it's just going to get right. lost in the mix. So. Right. Yeah, and so so speaking of the range part, tell me about this viola cello thing you got your instruments. Yeah. Let's go yeah. geek on them and yeah. equipment. All right, we're nerding out. Here. Nerding out. Okay, so viola is the violin, as cellola is the cello. So I'm pioneering an instrument called cellola, mm -hmm. and uh, it's pretty much tuning cello down thin. So if you think of taking the top string off of a violin and adding a low string. That's pretty much a viola, yeah, right? The bigger body. So I'm doing that same thing to cello, but you're taking off A, and you're adding a low F. So yeah. you just got a half step between a cellola and a bass, but it's tuned in fifths, so you have a bit more of a range. So when a bass player solos, a lot of the time it's just bloop, 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 kind yeah. of thumpy when they get up there. But the, the cellola, you can really solo pretty nicely. Mm -hmm. um, I have a jazz tune out called Night Shift. Um, that's my original, and Billy Contreras, one of the best jazz violinists out there. Um, he's a Nashville cat. Uh, he played on it, one of my teachers in college, and just beautiful solo, but that was kind of my first step into playing this acoustic chalola instrument, and I just really enjoyed like being the bass player, but also still being able to kind of solo up a little bit mm -hmm. higher than I would on an upright because I play upright as well but it, again it's like I that just, sweet spot right it's like they, you, they always go up in the thumb and like yeah. that little spot right there is is yeah. the only place you can hear anything exactly. right yeah exactly is it still so, cello size yeah yeah my, I mean my dream I've talked to some people about having it be a little bit wider kind of like mm. viola but essentially that top G on a uh, so you just string it F, C, G, D, D yeah. on a regular cello, yeah. huh? Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Just coining it right now. Mm -hmm. Yep. But I really think it could be a trend, and I'm a firm believer in, like, fifths. I just love fifths. And I've, I like fourths for playing sometimes. I think it feels more comfortable. But as far as writing and the theory behind it, I think mm -hmm. fifths are just... It's it's much better. Yeah, I, just kinda I, I can't do fits fourths, in my man. Mind. Yeah, I can't do it. I'm I'm in fifths mode. And yeah, I'm just I'm done. Yeah, right. I I tried guitar and I was like I could chord, mm -hmm. I could learn all these chords and stuff. But man, re I don't know how those people go from banjo to guitar to sure. uh, yeah. mandolin, all, yeah. all three. You know, I don't know how they do it. Yeah, that was a big struggle for a while when I was kind of switching from cello to cello to electric bass. And it was just like, oh, yeah. my mind was so confused. Oh yeah. <laughs> Because just all those different tunings in my playing a D or D. The fifth down wasn't bad for me because I started on yeah. a violin and when I went to viola, see that was easy. That, sure. it, that didn't that didn't bother me at all. Yeah. But it was still all all fifths. Right. right. Totally. So so like okay so with your band yeah we talked on the phone about uh, about musicians in general. We were yeah. we were talking about like kind of as a as a hired gun or as a band leader and and kind of the different struggles or sure. challenges with that uh to talk about how that's been kind of running your own band from like the yeah. businessy yeah leader side sure. how, how was that yeah completely different because uh 
You know, it has its pros and cons. So as a hired gun, you show up, you play your part, you get your paycheck, you go home. As somebody that's hiring you, you do so much more work, and then the person shows up, and then they play, and then you write them their check, and then they go home. But it's entirely different, like, looking for those people. Mm -hmm. And so all these different violinists that I've mainly found in, in Nashville, because Belmont's a great contemporary string program, as well as uh, Berkeley. And Berkeley up in Boston uh, attracts some really good non-classical string players. So our last tour, I kind of was searching around for different players, and two of them were from Belmont, and one of them was from Berkeley. Mm -hmm. And so we all just kind of collectively got together and uh, made made this thing happen. But, you know, it's different when you're searching out people and seeing if they're the right fit for the group, you know? Because mm -hmm. it's a lot, like, when I'm hiring somebody, I want them to put like as much in as they can mm -hmm. but then I've been on the other side of it too where I say you know you're not paying me enough to really like give me what I really want like would be able to do but I found like even when the, the pay is right and um, I find the right players and stuff sometimes it's just some players just aren't willing to like give everything on every gig and really work hard unless it's their own group and so that's kind of a sign for them well if you aren't willing to you know give me your everything like maybe you should do your your own thing mm -hmm. um, so it's just kind of been trying to find that balance but there's so many talented violinists out there and social media has been a great way to find some more and able to collaborate with uh, Zach Brock which just blew my mind away on our last song, Despierta. Um, Zach Brock is a Grammy-winning violinist. Uh, he's said to be the next Jean-Luc Pani. Mm -hmm. He uh, is on tour, or just was on tour with Snarky. I was able to see him here at the Kaufman mm -hmm. Center. Also, super genuine guy. Mm -hmm. Super nice, and showed up to the gig and like gave it his all. Like, and It's just amazing to work with somebody like at that level, like I would say an A-level contemporary string player. Mm -hmm. And it just blew my mind away by how genuine and how complimentary he was and how nice he was. And it's like, this is like kind of where I want to be. Like I want to be playing with these people that kind of like see the vision and want to put like their heart mm -hmm. and soul into it because they care about the music. So trying to find that balance of, you know, being able to pay them and get getting the right gig, but also like, having them be equally excited for the project because at the end of the day we're just tossing numbers around so <laughs> mm. throwing them I, I find it always funny when you have the because I, I agree with you that I think there's kind of there's not only two types but there's kind of the guys that kind of get good at everything and they become the kind of studio hired gun kind of dudes yeah and then you have the the kind of leaders that are that are hiring all of them right and then, and then you have everybody else, you know, but the, but with those two players, you would think what, what you were saying that if this guy is sitting there, like kind of complaining all the time sure. or, or definitely doesn't seem like he's into it or has a yeah. lot of cool ideas himself, 
you would think that every single other person would want to just well then go make your own group so you can make all the decisions but i found that there's not a whole lot of people that actually want their own groups yeah. because they actually they 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 don't have the the for you know the vision and the foresight to see sure. to, to kind of create a project especially if it's something like what you're doing sure. with our band it's you know a lot of covers yeah. he has this good big eight you know eight right. huge tunes himself but it's a cover band you know and right. but when you're doing a really artsy thing like it sounds like what you're doing uh a lot of people don't want that responsibility they sure. they want to show up and they and sure. kind of play and yeah maybe they'll put it you know they'll try really hard but then they, they're kind of very okay with accidentally not yeah loading up when they you know that it's your job to kind of load up all the gear and right. then they kind of accidentally leave and take their check you know they, yeah i mean i found that especially with violinists that are used to you know reading music like that's what we're all trained yep. on is you know, a lot of gigs you show up read the chart exactly how it's written otherwise you'll get fired you know like <laughs> don't improvise but i love violinists that can come in and like give their own flair and flavor and me mm -hmm. not say this is exactly what i want you to play right it's so nice when you hear and feel like somebody's musical interpretation and they have, you know, not just one idea, but maybe multiple ideas. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. not hard or it's not easy to find that, <laughs> especially because, you know, how many contemporary non-classical violinists you will come across every day. Mm -hmm. so, well, uh, the, I think maybe the other problem with that, too, is that there's a lot of people that get really pissed about that. You know, they don't want you to come in and play because, you, again, you have the stupid, you know, you're yeah. supposed to have sharp here and quarter yeah. there, you know, and, and when you, uh, especially in classical, I mean, symphony, that's not a thing, you know, you come in and you play, you know, right. and uh, <laughs> so like, like in our band that he allows me to kind of do that where, you know, we have the song and you don't get to decide the structure right. of this, you know, there's chords here, but with my comping, he's like, I don't know what you should do. Do it, Rob. You know, like, go go do your comp, you know, go play right. what you need to play and put your little flavor on it. And, Very true. And, yeah, and I've had a couple, when I was running my own band, I was telling you it's, it was like a fish kind of jam bandy, right. yeah. you know, prog rock kind of thing. And uh, I brought some jazz guys in, you know, sure. and I'm like, let's play some Stone Temple Pilots, but yeah. I want you to, like, do funky over that. Yeah. Instead cool. of regular rock beat, you know, cool. jazz chords on the guitar instead of... Yeah, it still sounded real close, but he yeah. just added some, you know, same yeah. beat and same, you know. But anyway, uh, but so so you find that uh, that it's with the vi with the violinist specifically, yeah. it's it's been. I mean, I'm asking a lot yeah. out of the violinist too. You know, like mm. a, like me being a newer composer, coming in and asking okay, we're, we have like an hour and a half show to put together in a week. Like that was our last tour. We had one week to put this show together and it was just kind of a reality. And it's like, this is kind of gonna be a boot camp. Like, unless you prepared and like did your work up front, like you're gonna get your ass kicked right mm -hmm. now. Like yep. this is like gonna be really, really hard. Mm -hmm. um, me and the drummer like did a lot of prep preparation up front and I, I mean, me also being the composer, I knew knew the songs pretty well, um, but we spent a lot of time just figuring out parts instead of working on the music. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like, you know, if you, 
if I can find people that will do the work up front, then we can like really get to the nitty gritty of it. But then again, it's not the easiest music when you're playing in 13 and mm -hmm. different, like, you're right. I guess more progressive. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that's that's cool. So yeah. with your writing, like, what was your? So you've already talked about kind of the unusual, like, uh, instrumentation and stuff. You know, with the two violinists, no bass player. You know that, and uh, no guitar, no chord instrument really. Sure. Right. I mean that that's that's. Yeah, I guess like, I so consider what, what's myself your, the chord instrument. Right. Yeah, but no, like I guess piano. Right. Guitar, guitar. accordion. You know, I mean none right. of the typical. Uh, um, but so like with your writing, like what. Uh, you said you're so so again. What what are you kind of doing here specifically? Is you're writing? Uh, yeah. T tell us what your yeah project is. Sure. So reignite uh, to this point it has been a band and it's been around for about two years. Just kind of building up the brand, doing all the business side of it, starting the book, learn how to do like the live thing, getting all the gear for that. Um, but my vision from the beginning was have it be more of a storyline, so kind of like cinematic music. Mm -hmm. So essentially, we're going to have Reignite be a movie. Like, my dream is for this to be an IMAX. Mm -hmm. That's a big dream. Right. So, um, or, but I also love playing live. So, mm -hmm. uh, the vision I have right now is have a storyline pretty much just of a flame that burns out. Um, the flame kind of has a human characteristic and goes through a bunch of things during life and burns out. And then the it's going to be in three movements, and the third movement is called Reignite. And so that's kind of when the flame kind of comes back to life again. Um, lots of pyrotechnics. Again, it's all a <laughs> vision right mm -hmm. now. Um, but me just kind of writing the soundtrack to the storyline I've created. So working on finding a visual artist, shout out if anybody knows of some good visual artists. Um, but uh, just really, I've always wanted to write movie music. But um, as I've learned and seen a lot of my friends start to do film scoring, you're kind of locked into what is on the screen in front of you. So if you have a person, uh, Stab another guy. Yeah, this mm -hmm. is a soundtrack I did for some 48-hour mm -hmm. film music festival. And all of a sudden, like, your shrill noise on the violin has to line up exactly with that. Uh -huh. Where I'd rather I compose this, and then all of a sudden this happens in the visuals. So it's mm -hmm. kind of like a backwards approach. Mm -hmm. And it gives me a little more freedom as a writer to have that instead of being stuck to what the picture's kind of yeah so you're talking about music first art second not the other yeah. way in a way yeah visual yeah, art yeah the, yeah, the, the visual and yeah. because a lot of times I know that I mean visual is so powerful with music you know I mean I mean movies would be terrible without music right commercials would be terrible without yeah. me and, and so like I know when when I was did when I did my two albums uh I was always thinking about the kind of two spectrums of you have the kind of regular singer songwriter guitar player yeah. who's kind of just writing song 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 right. and then you have now this whole other deal where you're like writing and maybe even if you have characters yeah. and in this song it's not just two characters it's the it's these two characters in this exact moment yeah and when you get into like uh 
words, that's now a whole nother yeah. deal of they they have to say this exact thing because the storyline, you know. And I, I would think that that would be the 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 idea that you're that you're proposing sounds hard. Yeah, it, it sounds it sounds like a difficult yeah. endeavor, very possible, but yeah. it sounds like that would be kind of difficult. I mean, uh, the longest thing I've written is about nine minutes, and that was Ruby mm-hmm. last tune called "The Spirit," which had mm-hmm. Zach on it. But this is I'm trying to get an hour and twenty minutes mm-hmm. of music. It's a lot of music, yeah. And so what I've done is created the storyline and visually drawn it out in front of me, just on this big whiteboard and um, just kind of creating different scenes Mm -hmm. and as I'm writing you know I'm looking at that I'm like okay so this is going to be this moment but a lot of times I go back and I listen to some things I've already written and say how like where is this going to fit I don't understand Mm -hmm. so I stare at it and I listen to it and I I come up with like a whole new Mm-hmm. idea of the plot just on the music which is yeah. something that's really really fascinating especially if it's something that mm-hmm. I've written a couple of years ago so mm-hmm. um, for instance there's this one uh, tune with a great violinist Kyle Pudence in Nashville he makes his own seven string violins um, he, he played on one tune it was a cover but at the end we have like this epic cinematic outro this is like midi bass mm-hmm. and, like, full string orchestra that we layered like <laughs> 20 string players on or something and uh he's just shredding on his electric violin and I'm like where can I fit this into our um into this story and so I I listen to it and then eventually I'm like well maybe this is kind of where the camera like zooms out and you see like the whole world for mm-hmm. the first time it's just kind of like a goosebump kind of moment just like picturing that in my head and then like quickly writing it down in my excel spreadsheet of like so you remember it yeah yeah exactly <laughs> um so i can tell the visual artist and try to like get my vision yeah to them so i've just now kind of started reaching out to different visual artists sure but um yeah, yeah the and so with uh, that's one thing that I found really fun because I, I tried to do kind of a concept album kind of thing it sucked but it was you know I tried to go okay this needs to be into here and this needs to be into, you know and, yeah and even the songs like our, ours were you know seven nine ish minutes you know yeah. so I had quite a few sections in there and whatever and I always found it way more fun than the actual coming up with the riff or coming up with the stuff to do all the arranging afterwards, all the editing and kind of like the example I always use is so you have like, say you got a song, like you you have like kind of a verse course bridgey part. And then I know that I eventually want to come back to another verse chorus at the end, but I know I need something here. You know, and then I've already written this other thing that's really epic sounding. Yeah. So I I know that epic thing makes absolutely no sense here and not here, not here. You know, and I go yeah. through all the you know, and I'm like, okay, if I put this here, that doesn't make any sense after the bridge. I need to build, 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 and then I have another build with yeah. this epic thing, sure. and then I come. So I, so I'm kind of like, okay, so that means I need another two minutes of just jammy nonsense sure, here to yeah, build, yeah. build, build. Right. It, did you like? It sounds like you have your whole storyboard or whatever, yeah. and you're are you? I mean, are you kind of thinking in that in those terms, sort yeah, of? Or? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's great now that it's not feather and paper anymore, like mm-hmm. ink. So <laughs> it's uh, like I use logic, mm-hmm. and it's just amazing 
how I can just take a whole section and be like, no, I don't want to hear. Yep. I want to hear. Oop. And then just mm-hmm. boop. Mm-hmm. And it's so like freeing from a creative standpoint that if I don't like it or if I want to copy it over, then I can. It's so freeing from like just to be able to do that and uh, see these different moments and just try things out with and being able to hear it like right away. Mm-hmm. It's such a blessing to kind of take it for granted of just being able to hear any instrument you want MIDI right in front of you on your laptop just with your headphones right mm-hmm. there like imagine being Mozart or Beethoven and pounding away at the piano writing it down real quick maybe having some sort of picture in your mind and then not being able to hear it for mm-hmm. whoever knows how long you know it's well Mozart could yeah he could just hear it in his head yeah. bastard yeah but, you know and then yeah. No, Salieri. Actually, it should have been this. You know, yeah, but as you enter the more romantic music and mm-hmm. impressionist music that they're kind of, and I mean, I guess even in operas, like you're kind of writing for for a story as mm-hmm. well. Like yeah, writing for a purpose. But it's just awesome being able to hear it right away and be mm-hmm. like, uh, it doesn't really fit, or there needs to be something there. So I have a lot of sections that are kind of highlighted in yellow, being like, what should I put here? How do I fill in these gaps? Mm-hmm. And I think the best way to do it is just to listen and then eventually maybe something new pops up or maybe a new moment in the story comes to your mm-hmm. mind when you're sleeping or there's just all sorts of possibilities. Of Which is really annoying, right? You know, yeah. you're ready to go to bed and you're like, oh. Yeah, I just thought about this. And then you're like, I'll remember it and you don't. No. You know. Voice memos. Yeah, where you, were, you were the one I was talking to about voice memos. Yeah, so you just, you know, yeah. I have like two days worth. <laughs> it's like I don't know who or I'm not going to go through them all um, or who's going to ever but it's just crazy like that's kind of where I get to the point it's like I can be a composer I, like, I have so I have too many ideas mm-hmm. which is a really good problem to have yeah, yeah but it's more just like how how do I make these ideas cohesive and mm-hmm. so today I was kind of working on different motifs and how to have repeating occurrences of kind of the same thing yeah. over and over which is really popular in different uh, Beethoven's Fifth yeah, yeah yeah exactly best example of that yeah. I worked on that with my students the other day yeah showing sure. them you can have your you know we were doing kind of a because we were working on improv that's a good segue to improv is like I was showing them you have like a you know a diddle 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 kind of thing yeah and then you can do diddle diddle or diddle 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 you know sit on the yeah. same one triplet yeah. Or diddle 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 three, you know, yeah. or dida 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 dida. That's another ver- You know, yeah, I was showing yeah. them all the different, different versions totally. of, of the same, and now we haven't even gone up yet. You know, then yeah. then you add those, you know, times two, it's and now endless. you've got third, you know, thirty riffs you could put. You know, yeah. it's kind it's of totally endless. It is, yeah, it's endless. Crazy. So so with with improv, kind of switching gears, we were talking about that on the phone and. Uh, we were talking about kind of the the challenges with string players, and one thing I'll mention a little bit that's been always funny with me is that with with Suzuki, uh, we were you know ridiculously ear trained, you know. So I was always used to hearing, uh, "Oh, what a beautiful morning" off of Oklahoma, or so you know some random song, you know, uh, uh, "Bare Necessities" or something as a kid, you know, and, and yeah. trying to like play that with a bow, but it's singing, right? And so you have the yeah. singing part. And you're trying to do the exact, you know, mi- when you're mimicking and stuff, yeah. you're trying to excel, you know, the exact stop 
the exact slide, the exact, you know, and uh, how that was always tricky with specifically with string players because they've got this stupid bow thing to deal with. And um, I always find it funny, and, and I think I was mentioning on the phone a little bit about, uh, in particular, like swing beats, you know, doing that with a bow. Yeah. And, and I always find that um, you have a lot of string players, and this happens a lot at schools, right? When, when the orchestra teacher needs to like engage her kids, so, you know, not playing Bach all day, and she picks these contemporary monstrosities that somebody's written for orchestra, you know, and they're all, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. and they got the gallop, you know, horse thing going. Yeah. And, uh, and like, that always drives me nuts when, yeah. when people don't know how to do swing bowing, but they're like sure. pretending to teach swing bowing. Yeah. What, what, is there any like challenges that you found from, uh, as a string player doing improv or? I think the bow is just kind of like a complicated thing, you know? Um, but I also think like anything like that is just about early exposure. So I was exposed to the blues and different things growing up playing guitar, and that's kind of my foundation. But a lot of string players, they didn't listen to jazz till college. Or, and I'm like, that's kind of what I, my dad was always cranking jazz fusion. Yeah, right. yeah. um, and so I really think it's just what is in your ear more so. And I also have a pretty strong passion for like, why do band people only get to play jazz? Why don't string players get to play jazz in middle school? And mm -hmm. like in middle school, it wasn't even a thought that I mm -hmm. could be in jazz band. In high school, it was a thought, but they didn't really know like how to fit me yeah, in. Yeah. Know? They're like, what are we going to do with a cellist? And so it's really interesting how separate like the two, like band and orchestra mm -hmm. are. And so just being able to teach kids for from an earlier age to have a pocket to groove to mm -hmm. swing to play modern is like not really being taught a lot in, in schools and I think that's a big part of it you know um, but when you get to maybe a college level and you start playing some swing music and everybody's a classical player it's not going to sound right because they just don't have it ingrained in, in their ear and like it's not what you're used to playing, so. Mm -hmm. But I mean, the mechanics of it are. I mean, that's another thing, I guess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Just with the bow. Um, but you, so you think that the, the ex, you know the listening exposures is pretty big. I mean, I didn't deal with jazz till college, but I listened to a ton of like rock and stuff. You know, sure. obviously as a kid, Nirvana yeah. and yeah. Stone Cold Pilots, Chili Peppers, that kind of stuff yeah. is, and all their classic rock. Right. for my parents so I, I knew all those songs sure. and so I definitely got exposed to like some different kinds of music and right. so that's why I get up at a jam now and I'm like oh Mrs. Robinson please you know da -da 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 -da, and you just yeah. you know play it off the top of your head and cool. and like so and so the other one that I think is really funny is for all of us classical people we get in the perfection kind of situation like a mentality and what what do you think about mistakes and improv sure um, Tracy Silverman shared, again, Tracy was my teacher in college, was also in the Turtle Island Quartet. Mm -hmm. um, he shared an article that I read the other day about improvisation, and uh, not necessarily with, even with music, but just in general, like, technically I'm improvising what I'm saying right now. Mm -hmm. um, All conversation. Yeah, it? so when I'm improvising what I'm saying right now, 
I can't self-analyze myself. Because if I critique myself, that part of the brain works differently than the creative mm -hmm. part of the brain. And they almost shut down the study showed. Like mm. they Left, can't right. yeah, 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 yeah. they cannot work at the same time. So if you're analyzing yourself while you're trying to improvise, all of a sudden your heart starts to beat faster. And uh, you can't mm. like come up with as original ideas. But if you improvise without critique, which is very, very different very, from classical music, yeah. then you're onto something. Mm. Because yeah, I mean are there any mistakes in improvising? I mean, a million. I mean, yeah. If, or in, if you're analyzing, sure, sure. If or, you're analyzing, right. but if you're not analyzing, are there mistakes? Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's so, a good point. I mean, just kind of finding that balance of being able to let go when you're performing or like when you're trying to just work on improvising. Um, and Zach Brock and I had a pretty long conversation about that. Like, how do you even teach? improvising or practice improvising when okay I'm sitting down I'm gonna improvise this new idea okay I'm gonna do it again but it has to be completely different mm -hmm. you know how do you how do you improve upon that we're in classical right. music it's like I'm gonna play this and I'm gonna do it again and try to get it better and I just critique myself but it's very very strange but yeah you can't you really can't criticize yourself but with improvising I really find if you do the practice and you get what's in your ear or you transcribe and you get it in your hand mm -hmm. and then when you're improvising live if you can let go and just be able to sing and you have the vocabulary that's when like true magic kind of starts right so, just being able to i mean i see music a lot a lot of people see music as a language um, so if you can speak it fluently like that's a lot better than just like being able to say a few words you know mm. so um, I really think a lot about that with with improvising just being able to create new sentences and new ideas based on other ideas that other people have had so if you hear this cool riff that's like a whole tone scale and then you go home and you learn that riff even if you don't know it's a whole tone scale you learn it in like every key and then you go to a jam session and you're like oh this would be a cool spot to put it but you aren't necessarily thinking like i'm gonna play a whole tone right, right. so Just do it i find that to be like a great approach to improvising is instead of the more mechanical way of trying to do it but i mean there's also a lot of great improvisers that know the ins and outs of theory and right. can really just create something magical and there's an art to that as well and that's your own idea it's just a whole a whole nother thing right i'm just a big believer in transcribing yeah, right. any jazz cat yeah right, right, right yeah 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 transcribing is huge yeah and and it i would i would start easy you know i mean sure. you gotta start with happy birthday and silent night i mean you gotta sure. start with like easy crap you know like uh, yeah. if you're a kid in fourth yeah. grade or something but uh I always find that, I, I think I heard uh, Branford uh, talking about this, Marcellus, and he was talking about that a lot of times we have practicers and then they go play what they've practiced improv-wise, you know, and that's the, you know, that's the space that I feel that I'm in right now is, I'll, you know, I'll put on my stupid uh, 
I real pro, you know, and then yeah. go through these stupid songs and, you yeah. know, throw a Cherokee and, you know, and, and all me and, you know, yeah. just, and, but, you know, kind of, I have, you know, I, I call it the toolbox way yeah. where you, you, you just have, you know, your hopefully 8 million, you know, 8 million riffs and you, you throw, you know, boom, throw that one in and yeah. then, boom, and then throw, you know, yeah, yeah. your triplet thing Links. and then you're, yeah. the, you know. And eventually you want to get a thousand tools instead of the, you know, the hundred you have right now. And, but, uh, but I found that if I do that, I'm starting to be a practicer, you know, I'm starting to kind of, and and once in a while kind of come up with something sort of new and, uh, but, uh, but that's opposite from what you were talking about, (laughs) right? You were, you were talking about, you know, it's just totally off the top of your head and and, I'm just thinking about just improving improvisation in general yeah um yeah practicing improvisation is another Mm -hmm. uh, i guess another separate topic in my mind Mm -hmm. um but learning but but the way i do it i have a hard time doing what you were what you were describing Uh, i think is is, so the i'm saying that i'm probably practicing wrong if there is a way to practice it like you were joking like yeah is there you know (laughs) is there a good way well obviously there there is yeah because there's a you know a million people that are really good at it so and they've gotten better right how did that happen well some way (laughs) yeah you know yeah and i've kind of uh i've learned i love slow improvising which mm-hmm. is also composing, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Composing is improvising. Right. So I I really enjoy creating something when it's peaceful and quaint and there's no pressure of like, here's these chords, go solo, go take a solo. Mm-hmm. Like I find that very different than just sitting down and sitting at my cello and just um, freestyle just Yeah, you know, just like yeah. what what do I hear in my head or and then also transcribing different chords. So like I transcribed this land from the Lion King, mm-hmm. just the power of those chords in that song, which I'm so excited for the new Lion King. Mm-hmm. But it's crazy, just like what you can learn and just like the functions, um, modulations and stuff of different composers just mm-hmm. creating these ideas and then adding that to your vocabulary and then you hear something on the radio and you say, oh, I know exactly what that is. Um, but it's just wild just how fast and expansive like improvisation creativity can be. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So um, probably, you know, getting getting close here, but... Uh, yeah, sure. But the, I'm always fascinated, too, about... We were talking about kind of the gigging scene... Yeah. And in in different cities and in the mentality of di- that's kind of what the show is about is just kind of talking about the mentality cool. of different musicians and like I'm fascinated in Kansas City how th- th- it always seems like there's these you know it's it's still pretty much the wild west here in Kansas <laughs> City I mean you cool. can, you can get a band and c- go find a hundred you know or a, you know hundred dollar gig for yourself I mean it's it's out there if you go do some work I mean you can just walk into a bar owner and if you talk them into it they'll do it you know like so that's pretty cool you know it's not pay to play here yeah like I've heard Austin is and I've heard some New York and like you're playing gigs for free and like yeah. just to get exposure I mean you can still it's it's hardly any money but you can still make some money here but the problem is is that everybody ends up with this like Four hundred, three, really three hundred dollar for a band gig, yeah. And it, there's just like, I mean, there's fifty bands in town that are just on this stupid circuit, circuit where you find a bar and you 
play there four or five times if it goes well, and then they, well, you didn't bring enough people, right? And then you go to another bar, and I hope you didn't bring enough people, and then, you know, and, and we just do this round robin of crap. And then there, you know, and then you get, you know, my buddy always jokes, he's like, it's kind of a rat race, you know, and then you die. <laughs> nice. Yeah, isn't that, isn't that great? You know, but that, that's how a lot of musicians sort of feel, the, the gigging, the, sure. the studio guys that are trying to, make, you know, find work and stuff. And, and we're all trying to figure out how to get to that 800 to 15,000 or 1,500 kind of gigs. That's like the next level of playing festivals and, and doing like concerty stuff where, and, and like, but one of the problems is, is that everybody wants to get that, but we're, we're drawn between this problem of becoming the studio guys that you just mentioned, how they're just amazing players. Yeah. But a lot of times people just don't care. You know, they want the, in general, they're looking for this JLo person and then you have the whole backing band, but they don't give a crap about them. They want to see J, but JLo can't do it without them either. Cause she's terrible, you know, <laughs> but, but she has charisma and she's good looking and can talk to an audience, you know, right. and stuff. And so I'm fascinated by that dynamic of, of should we be the person that go, that, uh, that aspires to, you know, go to Berkeley and learn really, you know, play music beautifully. And then you get out here and then you see just, you know, trash, <laughs> you know, you see sure. trash gigging and they, but they brought 50 people. Right. So they're making yeah. money, you know, I mean, do you have any thoughts about how's I mean, Nashville for that kind yeah, of stuff or other? Sure. I mean, at the end of the day, a bar just wants more money, they mm -hmm. want more business. So it makes sense on their end. Um, yeah, I mean, the bar scene or recording scene, um, I guess in Nashville's kind of unique, you know, Nashville's a town built on so many tourists, like, it's pretty ridiculous what this town's turned turn into, I've lived there about seven years now, and just seeing, like, <coughs> my sister lives in New York, and she says downtown Broadway and Nashville's worth is worse than Times Square. Yeah, wow. And I'm like, well, that kind of says something about wow. how insane it is because there's so many drunk people, mm. but there's also a lot of musicians that go there that, you know, make it some decent money, but that in itself kind of is a little bit of a trap because at the end of the day, like, musicians normally aren't in it so they can just play for a drunk bunch of drunk people, mm. you know, if you're really wanting to do it. But there's a, I mean, we need also musicians that enjoy just playing live and going out there and having fun, um, and entertainers too. Like you're going out there and entertaining and bring, bringing people in. Like that's great. Like we really, really need that, especially in Nashville and every town. Like mm -hmm. need some really good entertainers to bring people in. But if you're in music for, um, I mean, some some other reasons like me being in Nashville as a cellist I was never really approached to be in the country scene mm -hmm. because most people don't think of what cello. are they going to use you for yeah, yeah. I mean I've, I've had a couple gigs here and there um, playing cello but it's just never really had the option to kind of fall into that I, I would say trap of you know you you get these gigs that you can make 500 like every weekend or something. Right. I, I don't know. Um, and it's it's great, 
you know, short term, but like, what's your end goal long term? Is your, you know, are you just going to be stuck in the trap like you're saying your whole life and then never be filled musically because of your art? Or are you going to decide like, you know, that's, that's not enough for me. I'm going to turn down that gig, even though I need the cash right now and try to like really pursue music for the reason I'm chasing it. Mm -hmm. So I think that's unique to every single person. So I kind of made the decision of I really want to play music that I enjoy playing and that I eventually came to the realization music that I write, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I've only been writing for about a year and a half now. And so um, just kind of making that decision along your journey of trying to find what really, like, excites you, makes you passionate about this Thing called music because it's everywhere you know it's in your car it's in the shower it's mm -hmm. at work it's at the grocery store like it's more saturated than ever and it's also smushed like no one thinks of music as anything because you know it's everywhere you go right. so if an e like if all of a sudden we didn't have electricity people would be starved for like live acoustic Stim music. stimulation kind yeah of because it's like oh i can't just turn on my phone and shuffle on Spotify and listen to a couple ads so I can rip off some music for some reports, <laughs> which is another conversation. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, what, what do you think yeah. about the idea of musicians choosing to be kind of a cover player? Sure. And then doing your, you know, I, I, I hate to just put it in two categories. Yeah. You're an entertainer and you're an artist. You know, I mean, yeah. I hate to put it that way, but there's some guys that obviously don't, we, like we were talking earlier about the guys that don't, that they don't want to be the band leader. Well, there's some guys that don't want to write music. They're, yeah. they're, they're just not, they don't do that. And so right. they're like, I'm always playing other people's tunes. Yeah. E forever. Yeah. You know, and like, I mean, what do you, like... I guess you kind of already answered that, that it's not, you know, it's not bad or good, I guess, you yeah. know. I mean, but. people are always going to want to listen to familiar stuff, mm -hmm. you know. And so I think that's the struggle as the artist is your stuff isn't familiar mm -hmm. until, like, people listen to it a lot, mm -hmm. which means that you're successful. And uh, so I think cover music is essential. Like, even on our live show, I try to throw in some cover tunes because people need something that they can sing along to um, what kind of cover tunes would you choose to do with your group <laughs> um, it kind of varies one one tune that I love doing is Neon by John Mayer okay cool. you know that? so I play that on cello because he drops his guitar and drops C mm. um, and it kind of works nicely on the instrument but it's fretless so it's a little harder hard to play but um, yeah I never learned it on guitar though. Mm -hmm. but uh, um, sorry bring me back we're, uh, we're talking about oh, the covers you're talking about what yeah. covers you play yeah sure so I mean it's good to play things that people are familiar with and it also like allows you as an artist to understand uh, other composers or other artists ideas and like why is this song so successful and you can go into the theory of it you know like oh because they have a four minor in it like everybody loves a four minor, and so, and so, like that's, that's what, what the that's what the bikers are saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, oh, dude, I love that well, four I'm minor. Saying, I guess yeah, I'm yeah. saying me, uh, me as an artist, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, like 
after learning this song, oh, I can see like the beauty and how great this is and why the song's been sung for 60 years. And so that allows me to think, okay, how can I write something not just for myself short term? Because I don't think music should be selfish. I think it should be selfless and something mm -hmm. that is for other people. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess there's a time and a place, you know, playing Bach for yourself mm -hmm. um, here and there. But I really want to write music that impacts people and something that maybe will be around for a long time that mm -hmm. people will listen to. Because, um, which I'm not saying it will or won't, but uh, maybe it will, you know? Mm -hmm. but, it's possible, yeah. Did, did like, oh, just had a thought in my head. What was it? Um, I don't know. I'm greatly drawn towards, uh, I can't remember what it was. Yeah, yeah. I'm greatly drawn towards Pat Metheny, which is kind of yeah, yeah, cool yeah, being yeah. here mm -hmm. in yeah. Kansas City. Um, but he's been a huge influence of mine. But when I tell people that my age, they're like, who's that? Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, like the greatest living jazz guitarist composer in the world like mm -hmm. modern day living Mozart almost he's won like 19 plus Grammys. <laughs> I forget how many yeah but people don't know who he is and right. people wouldn't hear his song or wouldn't recognize his song um, other than like on the weather channel <laughs> that's a joke yeah. I, stuff I write but should, he did should go on the weather but he was well. a big one kind of doing what they started to call smooth jazz yeah. right and then everybody yeah. wouldn't give him wouldn't give him the time yeah. of day you know like yeah. thinking I mean his, his band was killer and yeah. I mean they were they were doing some like real stuff yeah. but, he, but he had you know I know that some of that smooth jazz has some of that kind of I don't know what you'd call it, but like some, sort of the synthesize -y sound, sure. you know, and they're like, sure. this sounds too poppy to me, yeah. even though the playing is yeah. killer guitar riffs and the, yeah. you know, and stuff. And well, what I love about just him is like jazz is never confined to one thing, you know, mm -hmm. it's never, oh, you have to learn these standards, that's jazz. Jazz is always expanding, mm -hmm. it's something new. Um, like, there's no box around jazz, and that's, right? That's really why I, I just love love his music because it's he's, he says he's writing music for the that people will want to listen to when in the future you know when mm -hmm. he's not around and I would love to think that of myself and my own writing like I'm not necessarily writing for just right now in this moment for but for something that I believe kind of lies, lies ahead oh sure and so um I mean I guess going back cover mm -hmm. covers right. that, but it's just kind of like whatever like you really feel drawn to or whatever your passion is you it's kind of a natural no-brainer in your mind of oh yeah this is like i enjoy doing this and if you enjoy doing it then do it like if you enjoy playing cover songs and entertaining a crowd we need those people if you enjoy writing music then do that if you enjoy you know staying at home and writing sync licensing music like mm -hmm. there's so many different ways to be a musician now because of technology mm -hmm. that um, you can feel fulfilled but I've really found like in order for me to really pursue my art um, and be satisfied with it without taking all these other gigs I almost need a new revenue stream a new mm -hmm. income source so I kind of have a passion for um, developing a school that teaches musicians not only music but also uh, gives them trades for uh, and skills 
so that they can support themselves doing their music. Yeah, that, that, that was the other thing yeah. I was going to ask you is about like kind of the problem that, that all of us run into is kind of day job or not, you know, yeah. I mean, it ha and that, that's the argument that I was kind of getting to with the artist entertainer yeah. thing is that, you know, when I go and right. get into a country band, all of a sudden I can kind of, you know, no, I'm not making a living at it, but, yeah. but I'm like actually getting money for gigs, right. you know, and of like, course. so, and then you have this other stuff. They said, you know, be, bebop closes more closed clubs than it opens. You know, that was yeah. a, a Ken Burns line from his jazz thing, you know, and it, like, and that's always the struggle of, yeah. of finding your your handyman job or your UPS or something, yeah. and, and that I've had a lot of I, I've had a lot of different opinions about that on the show, yeah. and and I've heard at college they'll, they'll tell you, well, if you want to become this Berkeley person, you know, this this good studio player and pretty yeah. up there, you got to basically kind of hope your you know kind of hope your parents can kind of fund you for a year and you just literally just sit there and practice for a year you know and maybe that might be a good time to do it at college and you right. just you just go for it hard sure. and do literally nothing no job no right. and you just go at it hard and then by the time you get out of college you're pretty good sure. and then you do it but then other people I've heard are talking about well if you get your day job, then you don't have to be in these playing monkey musician, you know, mo monkey yeah. up on stage musicians, and you can go pick your uh, string quartet, you know, right. perfect, yeah. you know, artsy thing that yeah. you want, and you don't have to worry about money. And I mean, what's what's your thought about that? Yeah, I mean, I solely believe like music should be for the art of it, and mm -hmm. so I've I've really found having every every musician should have a side hustle. But the side hustle can't drain your creativity. Mm. Otherwise, it's not going to help you. And I also think your side hustle should support your um, your vision. So, for instance, um, I'm here in Kansas City for a month. And when I go back to Nashville, um, I have a couple connections about trying to uh, start working on live sound, which I have a little bit of experience mm. in. Uh, and I think that's a side hustle that can push me forward. Um, with my career of, of music and not necessarily drain me entirely and it's also given me a new skill that I feel like I would love to learn oh, totally. so finding something which it's not easy finding something that you enjoy and also pushes you further with your own career I think is really important so kind of like killing two birds with one stone mm -hmm. kind of a thing instead of oh I'm going to uh do this thing of I'm gonna fix lamps, and then I'm going to, <laughs> and then I'm going to play play cello, like that. Those two things are just completely opposite. And I've found that like that kind of drains you instead of really gives mm. you new creative ideas of of something that can really push you forward. So I yeah, that's I interesting. I think it's important to have multiple revenue streams too not just one and it's kind of the gig economy trend it just is what it is kind of like yeah, yeah. you know have four different gigs that you do maybe two of them are or one of them's playing out and then another's doing this and another's doing that mm -hmm. but it's not like a soul crushing thing that you hate doing because like at the end of the day you might as well just go get a corporate job if you hate what you're doing <laughs> yeah or yeah, I'm not yeah, saying yeah, that yeah, people yeah. there hate it but sure yeah yeah um, but yeah, we, we, that happens a lot yeah. when, uh, for me, 
I was doing like all music, right? I was teaching it, and then I was always every waking second I'm listening to it, yeah. and then I went out to a gig, yeah. and then I go back teaching, and it's just music, music, music. Yeah. And uh, it was really nice uh, to have this handyman thing that I do because yeah. you're saying opposite a little bit that sometimes it crushes the music because you're not like kind of all in. But in a way, for me, it's felt good because I was sure. literally doing all music, you know, yeah. all day, and so right. it was nice to kind of. Definitely. You know, decompress yeah. that. But I understand what you're saying about you're, you're kind of not all in though. Sure. And that's your choice. You know, I mean, that's the the sure. trade off you're making. You know, I mean, you're, because you, you, I mean, there there is a burn. You know, there's a too far burnout. You know, thing yeah. too. But you know, it's it's a hard balance. I would think. Yeah. I mean, you can definitely like oversaturate yourself, mm-hmm. I guess, with with music, and especially in the gig, gig life. Yeah. If you have so many things going in your ears, like sometimes it's hard to really focus and be creative. And I guess at the end of the day, that's what I love about music is just the creativity behind it. Sure. Especially with jazz. Um, but yeah, I yeah. Know, there's there, there's no right answer for anyone. But mm-hmm. I've I've kind of found like a happy balance of getting some side gigs that aren't music related that allows me more freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, take some of the money pressure off and allow me to just have my heart be my heart. Where when I was doing, you know, freelance cello and working the grind and having it all be music, I found that to kind of suck my creativity away. So I think that kind of sucks things away from what you really want to do. Probably you shouldn't be doing that, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Well, um, one more time, uh, shout out your band. Yeah, Reignite. You find us at Reignite Music, and it's a progressive string quartet. Our latest tune is called Despierta, which means wake up in Spanish. Mm. Um, and that's the one featuring Zach. <coughs> yeah, Zach Barack. But uh, Reignite, yeah. Cool, man. Totally. Um, yeah, that's probably a good, uh, good stopping point. Um, this is uh, Tim Campin. Yeah, hey. Thanks, thanks for so coming, much man. for having me. It's been really nice time here and i'm sure we'll connect more in kansas city sure man we'll keep up all the good work sounds like you're you're being a good ambassador for uh for you know string players doing doing different kind of stuff and music in general so keep up the good work man um get out of here see you next time